Hi guys, welcome back. JC on the You Ain't New Podcast, episode 10. And today is kind of a big picture overview, bird's eye view of the first half of our season. I hope you're ready. I hope your brain doesn't hurt. <laughs> Maybe it's okay if it does. Whew, you ready? Let's look at this and kind of sum up everything we've been talking about so far. I'm going to do that with some song lyrics that mean the world to me. Now, this song actually has been absolutely adored by Christian denominations, LDS, like across the board. This is a song that is just recorded by everyone you can think of. It's been sung over and over and over, and it captures us every time. I'll be really shocked if you haven't heard it. Um, it's the song Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I have on my Spotify, I have a version from Chris Tomlin. I have a version from Mercy Me. Wonderful version from Micah Tyler from a movie soundtrack. That's just, oh, just him and a guitar is so pretty. In fact, in my own denomination, the Tabernacle Choir has an unbelievable version that builds to such a crescendo that it just slays me every time. And the exact part that they build to the crescendo sings the verse that I want to highlight. Maybe you even have already guessed which one that is. It's the, again, the verse gets me every time. The lyrics say, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. <sighs> Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. If we've learned anything in the first half of this season, it's that even if we didn't think we were prone to this, even if we thought, no, 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 I go to church, I'm good, I love him, we've kind of left no stone unturned, haven't we? in order to see how we all are prone to wander and leave the God we love. Even if we do love him, that's what the verse says. I do love him, but for some reason, the fall, the circumstances, my spiritual death, whatever, I have been off in hiding. I've been escaping. I've been covering myself with a false sense of security with all kinds of different fig leaves. I've just been stuck in so many places other than at his feet. I have wandered and wandered and wandered. And that's kind of why I, f I had to draw this out into so many episodes, because I think a lot of us that listen to podcasts like, like these, we, we really do believe it's the prodigals that are out wandering. You know, we are not, we're in church, we're in our scriptures, we're on our knees. And yet, can you see how many ways we leave him. We have left him. Even if our body is sitting in church, like we talked about, our heart has been all over the place, just out wandering. Now, the whole goal is to find eternal life, to have our hearts lit up and made alive through him. And I think what we don't often realize is all that wandering. We have been searching for something. We didn't really name it. We didn't really say to each other, uh, this spiritual death is killing me. I've got to find an answer. 
we were just hungry for something. We didn't know what. And so we've looked under every rock. We've tried every type of escape to just rescue us, save us from this. This is not a very fun condition to be in. And so we've spent our lives wandering in search of that, in search of that very thing that he offers in scripture that he can give us. So the big question now is, all right, if it's possible, if everlasting eternal life is possible in us, if he can resurrect us from our spiritual death, redeem us, restore us, make us alive in him, how do we find it? We've looked everywhere else. How do we get there? I would have thought in earlier days to just do the church stuff more. Okay, I've just got to work harder. Spend more time at the church stuff. And again, the church stuff isn't bad. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But I'm saying if that's just our goal, a lot of us have done that and we're still spiritually dead, right? We still struggle. Even that has not got us there. So there's got to be a different answer. And I did find a different answer in the scriptures. As I was searching eternal life, as I was studying this beautiful doctrine, you go to one of the most profound prayers ever offered in scripture in John 17, right before his crucifixion. This is the intercessory prayer. This is his last few hours on this earth. And he speaks some things that we really need to hear right in the first three verses. He kneels before God. And it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son might also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Right there in the beginning of the prayer, he shows that as his mission to give us eternal life. And now, right, we don't see it as this gift for after we die anymore. We see he's come to bring us life now inside our little weary heart. And then he says something in verse three that's going to change everything. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal, to know me, that they'll come to know me and God. We know God through Christ. That's how we come to God is through Christ. To know him is how we get there. Not doing the church stuff. Yes, doing the church things can lead to knowing him. But we've talked about how, oh, they can't. They might not. Our goal, the bullseye, we've got to keep our eye on from here on out if we want eternal life. If we want to be brought back from spiritual death, we have to know him. We have to come to him and know him. First John 50, or excuse me, there's not 50 <laughs> chapters in First John. First John 5, verse 20, same exact idea. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. And listen to what John says. This is the true God and eternal life. He equates the same two principles. Eternal life is knowing him. It's knowing him. And that's very different than during the church thing. Just going through the motions. Our goal now is to turn 
seek a personal relationship. I hope you're already on your way. I'm not implying with this podcast that you haven't already started that process. And I hope you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing him, not just knowing about him. Um, Religious leader F. Enzio Busha says that very thing. He says the real treasure is to develop a close relationship with Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Messiah, Jehovah, and let him and his spirit take possession of our lives. That's not just a few minutes every day. Do you see what I'm saying? That's not just a little piece here and there in an hour of church on Sunday and just and the rest of my time I'm out wandering. Let him and his spirit take possession of our lives. I am speaking, he says, about the treasure of having found Christ, of being able to know him, not merely to know all about him, but to really know him. Um, one of my other favorite quotes on this comes from Brigham Young, the famous BYU namesake. He says the greatest and most important of all requirements of our father in heaven is to listen to this, believe in Jesus Christ, confess him, seek him, cling to him, make friends with him, take a course to open and keep open communication with your savior. You're knowing him, talking to him, clinging to him, making friends with him, believing in him. I even thought of Matthew 22, verse 37. I mean, Christ says flat out the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now again, yes, we may have loved him all our lives in a way. It doesn't mean we haven't loved him yet. It doesn't mean we haven't sought him or sought that relationship. But we have highlighted in our season so far all the time we spend out wandering. Adam and Eve's story showed us that. It showed us underneath the surface. We dig, dug into some really tough stuff, but those were, those were realities in our soul, the ways that we hide, the ways that have kept us separated from him and stuck in spiritual death. Listen to this from classic Christian writer, Hannah Whittle Smith, in her book, A Christian Secret to a Happy Life. Continually at every heart he is knocking and asking to be taken in as the supreme object of love. Wilt thou have me, he says to the believer, to be thy beloved? Wilt thou follow me into suffering and loneliness and endure hardness for my sake and ask for no reward but my smile of approval and my word of praise? Wilt thou throw thyself with utter abandonment into my will? Wilt thou give up to me the absolute control of thyself and all that thou art? Wilt thou be content with pleasing me and me only? May I have my way with thee in all things? Wilt thou come into so close a union with me as to make a separation from the world necessary? Wilt thou accept me for thy only Lord and leave all others to cleave only to me. Do you see the picture she paints? I mean, that's where we're headed, guys. That's where we're headed. That's what brings eternal life, is knowing him, giving our whole hearts and lives to him. This is all of it. No more wandering. Coming back home in the biggest way it's possible to come back home. 
Um, I think a good example, it's a painful example, and I will apologize right now, but we're going to use it anyway, is the story of Hosea and Gomer in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. Now, this is one that had, had passed by me for years. For some reason, I had just not dug into this story. I mean, I got into it about 10 years ago and went, oh, man. But it's kind of hard to read. I mean, it's so crazy because right in chapter one, the prophet Hosea is told by the Lord, go and take thee a wife of whoredoms. I mean, she was not a faithful, typical prophet's wife. She was seen as a harlot. But he marries Gomer and they actually have three children together. I mean, there, there's a family relationship established here. They're married. They have these three kids. It talks about in chapter one. But in, in chapter two and a bit in one, it starts to talk about how Gomer just keeps taking off. She keeps running back to her other lovers and leaving Hosea. It says in verse, verse five, for their mother hath played the harlot. She that hath conceived them, the three kids, Hath done shamefully, for she said, listen to this, she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. I'm going back. There's some rewards. Like they're making me happy. So she spent enough time with Hosea. She kept going back enough that she had three kids with him. It's not like she married and took off forever. She she would still kind of put on the act of being his wife and having kids with him. But she kept running off after her lovers, she said, because they give me all these rewards. They were legal, legally married, but they were never truly united in an intimate relationship of love. I mean, her heart was off doing all kinds of others, running off to all kinds of other lovers, right? It reminds me of the dinner analogy that I used in season two. If you went through that at all, I'm not going to te- um, reteach the whole thing. But remember the analogy I used if you listen to that season? about me and my husband going to an anniversary dinner and it's so beautiful and we're dressed up and it's supposed to be this special night. And then I invite like an old flame from college and he sits at the table and then a coworker that I really like, he comes to and then old, another old boyfriend, all these old lovers are invited to the table. And I, I kind of dance between them and my husband and try to, and, and Greg's going, what? <laughs> it's the same picture as Gomer, right? She's married Hosea, but she just keeps running back to all these other things. Now, these stories are awful. I mean, they're painful because we, those of us that are married or whoever, all of us know any type of marriage will not survive that. I mean, it would take a lot of counseling and a lot of grace for that kind of attitude for the two to survive. But how often have we treated Christ the same way? He, he said in scripture, he calls himself the bridegroom and the church his bride. Like he makes no, you know, no no illusions about what kind of relationship he wants. All your heart, all your soul. You're my bride. I'm the bridegroom. This is to be everything you've got. In fact, he even talks about being a jealous God, right? In Exodus and Deuteronomy, Joshua, many places he talks about being a jealous God and not willing to share. He, He doesn't want to share the worship of our heart. Anything, anyone, he wants all of us. But again, through the first half of the season, can't we see, like, even though he's asked for that, have we given him that? Have we given him our whole heart? Or have we, like Gomer, just said, I'm going to run off to my lovers, my food, my social media, my escapes, my binge watching, all of the the other things that we, I'm running into my faults, belief systems, my fig leaves, my, 
I have all of this other stuff that I'm off doing. Just like Gomer. It's, I know, I told you the most, for the most part, the painful stuff is over, but this is where we had to tie it all together so that we can't live in denial and say, no, 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 I love him. I go to church. But if you loved him like that, like we described from Hannah, wilt thou accept me for thy only Lord and leave all others, all other things, all other belief systems, all other coping mechanisms, everywhere else you turn for comfort, everything else you run to for escape? Will you leave all that and cleave only to me? Will you know me like that? Like Gomer should have known Hosea. I think it will be helpful as we turn our corner and move into the second half of the season. If we can see the fig leaves, the hiding places, and the pointing finger as those other lovers, as those things we've turned to, um, the things we've sought out to give us life, to give us comfort, to give us redemption, to fill the void, to fill the emptiness. If we see them as other lovers, we can at least begin to understand why they can't remain. Christ has a gift for those who will come to him with their whole hearts. And, and I'm telling you, everlasting life, eternal life, as we get more into this, there are layers to this that are just exquisite. The gifts and treasures of being his. I mean, guys, we are just, we're going to get into that. But the cost is high too. He doesn't just lay out those gifts for anyone that's that's only partially yoked with him, but running off to all kinds of different things half the time. Where we're sitting in church, but our heart is a million miles away, where we're never turning to him inwardly, where we're just, for all kinds of other things, we enjoy off, honestly a lot more than him. Those gifts are reserved for those who come with their whole heart. Um, I thought also of a, a verse in Isaiah. This one phrases it in a different way than Gomer, but it's the same idea. Isaiah 2, it's, it's kind of Isaiah's accusations against the children of Israel that they have pro- been prone to wander. He says in verse 6 through 7, oh, and 8, Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, be Jacob, sorry, He's talking, he's saying, God, you've forsaken these people because they're replenished from the East and they have soothsayers, they are soothsayers like the Philistines. They please themselves and the children of strangers. Their land is also full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, which their fingers have made. He's talking about all the things we turn to. Instead of Christ. I mean, guys, you can see, we did not cover every possible thing that can be another lover, an idol, um, a fig leaf apron, an escape. We did not. We just threw out a few possibilities. But our world is filled, filled with things like these. Idols that will tear us away. Other lovers that will tear us away from our true love. So this is where we get a little serious. I mean, maybe you'll only make it through the first half of this of this uh, season. Because, I mean, this is where we get into deep territory. But guys, this is where everything changes. 
this is where if we're really willing to walk this road and to give our whole hearts to Christ, we will be transformed on a level that I just know I'm not going to be able to capture. Yes, there's a cost, but the benefits, well, the, the blessings, I mean, it's like me saying, being married to my husband, oh, it was so hard to give up all those old boyfriends. I, I just miss them. And it's been such a high price. I don't know if it's worth it. Of course it was worth it. I adore him and life with him. We've been together 30 years and life with him was worth every sacrifice I made. It, they weren't even sacrifices. I wanted to be with him. I wanted to give my whole heart to him. It wasn't even it wasn't even a chore. It wasn't a hard thing. It was like, yes, I I do want that. That's the spirit of what we're looking for. Sometimes our hands are t- are clamped so tight on our favorite things that we think, "Oh, I don't know if I dare give them up." We'll get there. I'm hoping that we can stir up such a love for Christ and such a vision for what that would look like that we will drop those things. Leave them behind without a second thought and run into his arms like I did with my husband. Just run saying, no, I want you and you alone. The supreme object of my love, just like Hannah said. You can have my whole heart, my whole life. I'm in. (laughs) And that's where everything will change. Okay. Heart stuff's over, I think. Well, you know what? I haven't. I haven't decided exactly how the next uh, episodes will go. So maybe, maybe there's still a little bit of that. In fact, there probably is. But now we've crested on our little hike up the mountain. We've come through kind of some real rough roads, but I think we're going to begin to see the summit. So it gives us hope. Like, okay, I can see the summit is in view. We're heading somewhere awesome. And we're going to start to talk about that in the very next episode. Thanks for joining me.